Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Good morning. Great to be with you today. Boy, you're sounding good. You're looking good. God's good, isn't he? He is. He's good. He's here this morning. And we look at maybe our personal lives in the world, and we may think at times, what's going on? And boy, this is difficult, not challenging. This may not be good. But I want to say it. Our God is good. Our God is up to something. Our God is on the move. I want us to be part of that today. We're in Matthew chapter 5. And as you look at Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it's called. And many have called it the greatest sermon ever. Why? Because it's preached by the greatest preacher, teacher ever, Jesus Christ himself. But it's a series of sermons within a sermon. And we looked at last week, just really the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And today what we're going to look at, we're going to look at influence, that we as the church of Jesus Christ, His church, we're called to live at a higher level. We're called to influence, or in other words, He's called us to partner with Him to change our world. He's called us to be world changers. So when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, He was announcing a new kingdom. And with that new kingdom, he was saying, the day you have been waiting for, and they had been waiting for, he said, the day that you've been waiting for, that day is finally here. It's finally arrived. Here is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And with that, there is a new king. He was saying there's a new way of thinking, there is a new set of values, there is a new citizenship, there's a whole new way of living, and with that, there's going to come a new heart, and there's going to come new desires. As I said last week, when he preached this message, he was just getting started in his earthly ministry. He was just beginning. And he was preaching, I want us to realize, and probably the most least likely of places to the most least likely of people. We usually don't pick that up. But he was speaking in the most least likely of places to the most least likely people. And as you know, he's preaching in this area called Galilee. And so if you would imagine with me, and let's, let's go there, this is a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Temperate. Temperatures, comfortable, lots of grass, a green hillside, and you're sitting there, hundreds, maybe thousands. And Jesus, he stands for a while, he probably sits on a rock for a while, and he's teaching, and he's preaching, and you're captivated by his words. And so, this area of Israel, it was frowned upon 
by the rest of Israel. This was the northern frontier of the country. In essence, it was the borderlands. And so the people that lived there were seen by everyone else as being intermixed with the rest of the world. This wasn't Jerusalem, the capital city in the south. So these people were looked at by everyone as those who didn't quite measure up to the religious standards of the day. You know, if you remember, Jesus wasn't far from here where he grew up. Nazareth. He grew up in northern Israel. That's where he grew up. And there was a saying, and it had merit. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? The borderlands, northern Israel. Everyone else in Israel looked at this area. Those are those people. They don't quite measure up. And we look at that, and uh, this is who Jesus was preaching to that day. And you expect Jesus, when he comes to announce the kingdom, and there's a king and the Messiah, the king of Israel is here, we might think, well, wouldn't it have been maybe more proper, the right thing to do, to be in Jerusalem, the capital? Jerusalem, the holy city? Jerusalem with the temple? Jerusalem with the more holy people so-called there? Wouldn't it be the place to announce your kingdom and your ministry? But Jesus started his ministry with those people. The least likely people, the Galileans, the vulnerable, the ones whose history reflected a, a constant failure and compromise with the ways of the world. They weren't their spiritual elite, not their spiritual giants, and they thought of themselves least in the kingdom. And so what does Jesus begin with? Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of of God. This is who Jesus brings his message to. I can relate to this. How many could relate to this here today? Come on. Come on. Yeah, you know all about you. You're not the best, the most qualified. You haven't always been the most holy. Come on. We're in church. We got to be honest with ourselves. Come on. I grew up in church. <laughs> I always wasn't the good church boy, let me tell you here right now. The kingdom of God, it's a present reality with you and me right now, and it's where we'll spend eternity one day with our king in the new heavens and the new earth. In essence, the kingdom of God is wherever King Jesus is. Wherever the king rules and reigns. So I want to tell you right now, we are in the presence of the kingdom of God right here today. Amen? Amen. Wherever the king rules, wherever Jesus Christ is. And this is what the Lord has done. This is what I'm talking about. We can relate to this because Colossians 1.13, the apostle Paul says, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. So the big idea is Christ followers. We are to be people of influence in our ungodly culture. Or let's put it this way. The king has invited us, and he's inviting us again this morning to change our world. I believe that without a doubt. Amen? 
Amen. So let's go to God's Word today. If you would, hold up your Bible with me or take your app. And let's believe the Lord's going to speak to us. May the Word come alive. And there's things that you specifically need to hear that I'm not going to say, but the Holy Spirit's going to say to you. That's what He does. Amen? Hey, come on. I know it's not all about me. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today. He's going to speak to me today. Things that we need to hear. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So write some notes down, if you would, please. Uh, watch it. That chair's moving on you there, Craig. Be careful. Uh, the app's there. Use the app this morning. Take some notes this morning. So the king has invited us to change our world. And we hear that, and maybe you're like me, I go, well, how? How are we supposed to do that? Come on, some of you have enough trouble just making it through the day, making it through the week. Man, you've got a business to run, you've got a family, you, you, you know, you've got work. So how are we going to change the world? Well, Jesus tells us how in his very next words. That's what he tells us. He says in verse 13 and 14, you are called to be salt and light. Common substances But nothing is more useful than salt and light. So he makes that comparison. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It may be thrown out, trampled underfoot, is worthless. You are the light of the world. So he says, well, how are we going to change the world? Your salt, your light. Tell your neighbor your salt and your light. Yeah, that's, that's who we are. Common substances that have great worth and value and are useful. And I just want as a side note here to get a little picture because you think, well, what's that all about being trampled underfoot and walking on and that kind of thing? Because there was salt in Israel at times that became tasteless. And so what they would do with that salt As you know, they had flat roofs on their homes, and they would walk up there and hold uh, fellowship up there and meetings up there and live there on the roof of their home. They would spread that salt that was tasteless. It would dry, it would harden, and it would uh, be able to be walked upon, and it would preserve the roof from leaking. So it had some use, but it wasn't the salt that you could eat. And he's saying, that's what he means by trampled Underfoot. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. We have to think about this, as I said, because the audience that Jesus was speaking to, that was an astounding statement. It wasn't some nice little bumper sticker statement. That was an astounding, life-changing statement to them. It was a radical statement filled with, really, as they heard that, dignity and hope. Light of the world. Well, that wasn't something new that Jesus made up. Not at all when he said that. It was actually a title that was given to the most respected rabbi teachers of the day. 
In fact, there were two rabbis in that day that were called the light of the universe. It was reserved for the most holy, so to speak, the flawless, the so-called perfect ones who obeyed everything. They never did anything wrong. They were the ones who were called the light of the world. These trained religious people called the light of the world. But Jesus says, no, no, you don't get it. It's you. It's you, the broken ones. It's you, the misfits and the outcasts. It's you, the ones who are just trying to figure this new faith journey out. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And when he said that, that audience on that hillside that day had to be thinking, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Do you know who you're talking to, Jesus? And with that, Jesus says, I know exactly who I'm talking to. See, he knows. He had just finished telling them and telling us who the kingdom belongs to in the Beatitudes. See, the kingdom belongs to the spiritually bankrupt. The kingdom of God belongs to the spiritually poor. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are totally dependent upon the king Jesus. The kingdom of God belongs to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The kingdom of God belongs to those who know without Jesus they are nothing and they can't do anything. The people that are starving for the presence of God. To those who want to make things and want God to make things right in their life. This kingdom belongs to you and me. People that know we need Jesus. Amen. We need you, Jesus. You know, years ago, and you may have read this book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. How many ever read that book? The Ragamuffin Gospel was out years ago. Brendan Manning wrote this, and this is a quote from the book. Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and the weak need, who know they don't have it all together, and who are not too proud to accept a handout of amazing grace. I think he also said people that know their cheese has fallen off the cracker, in fact, they can't even find their cracker. People that know they need Jesus. I'm willing to accept a handout of amazing grace. Amen. I'm in line for that. I'm in line for that. So Jesus is saying, he said it then, he's saying it now, you're the ones the kingdom belongs to. I'm talking to you. I've got news for you. Yes, you are the salt of the earth. Yes, you are the light of the world. He's talking to you, the sinner who's being transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ. So Jesus declares that broken people, imperfect people, are salt of the earth and light of the world people. See, this is what Jesus does. He saves sinners, and he changes sinners, and he calls sinners And he turns sinners into saints who are now saints to change this world. I'm going to ask you at the end of the message, but I just want people to start believe. How many believe this morning that God wants to use you to be a world changer? Come on. He wants to use you to be a world changer. We got some world changers in here. I believe that's possible. So Jesus invites us to partner with him to change our world. And he still uses the least of these, the unexpected people. He still uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, as his word says. 
the Apostle Paul says that now we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus. We are Christ's representatives to this world. We are His body, His church. And He hasn't called us to bury our heads in the sand. And He hasn't called us to do what? Gather on Sunday morning behind our four walls. He's called us to serve with Him to extend His kingdom so this world can be changed. This is God's plan A. You're God's plan A. He doesn't have plan B. He's trusting you. He's believing in you. He's deposited Himself in you. He's poured out His Holy Spirit in you. God plans to use you, and He knows exactly who He's talking to today. Amen. No plan B. So in that day, there were three schools of thought on how God's kingdom was going to come and how God's people were supposed to interact with the rest of the world. And and we're going to look at these three briefly, but sadly, these three thoughts are still around today. Number one, there was this group called compromisers. They became known as compromisers, the Pharisees or the religious leaders. They were also a political faction. They worked with the Roman occupying government. And they worked with the government to keep everything calm, to be politically correct enough not to make waves. I'm not making this up. This is who they were. Not to make waves, not to really stand up for what they truly believed in. They thought that they would just get along with everyone. And if they really would play the game well enough, if they would compromise they thought was, we'll make it through, we'll be okay, we'll be able to practice our religion. We're just going to compromise. And then we have another group called the separatists. They wanted to separate themselves from the world. And a sect at that time, and you've heard this probably, the Qumran sect. And they lived out in the desert, and they wrote and copied the scriptures, and They hid the scriptures, and we know that as the Dead Sea Scrolls, which we've discovered. So this sect that said, we'll separate ourselves from the world. Their approach was, we're going to hide from the world. We're going to have nothing to do with the sinful, wicked world. We're going to wait for God to do what God's going to do. We will not interact, have nothing to do with. We're going to hide our light, and we're going to stockpile our salt. And then... There's another group, the third group, the Zealots or the Essenes, the Essenes. They were radical. They thought they had to defend God, to protect God, to protect God's reputation. And the thing is, God doesn't need anyone to protect him. He's God. He doesn't need you and me to defend him, to protect him. Someone once said, you defend God in the same way you defend a lion. You just open the cage and let God out. Amen? Our God's able to take care of himself. He's God. What God does need is for you and me this morning to love him, to live for him, to love people, and change this world. That's what God's looking for. So Jesus comes along and he presents this other option. He says, you're the salt of the earth. So Jesus is telling us this morning, don't compromise. That's a good word right there. Don't compromise. Don't be afraid. Don't hate. Don't compromise. Don't be afraid. Don't hate. 
thing is how we view the world and see the world determines how we're going to interact with the world around us, what we'll do. When we see the world, when we look at the news and the verbiage, the talking points, all the stuff that is wrong, when we see people, the thing is, do we see what we think are bad people or do we see spiritually lost people? If we just start viewing people as bad people, you know what? We're going to get angry. How many find yourself getting angry? I'm raising, I'm raising everything. My prayer life has never been this good before. I'm going to tell you that right now. I find myself getting angry. It's time to pray. Time to pray. But if we see people as spiritually lost, we're going to love people, and we're going to have compassion for people. We'll have compassion, and we'll love people. So what does salt do? We, we know this. It preserves things. We use it when we cure meat. Uh, salt also improves flavor. How many like salt? Maybe you're one of these people. Before you've even taken a bite of the meal, you're pouring the salt on before you even take a bite of the meal. You don't know if it needs salt, but you're, you know it needs salt. You just know it has to have salt. More salt, good stuff. Salt preserves, salt adds flavor. It enhances flavor, purifies, penetrates. Salt transforms and we know salt makes people thirsty. What does light do? Light illuminates. It enables us to see things that we couldn't see before in the dark. Light also helps us see what we're doing. Helps us see where we're going. Light provides warmth. So, how do we salt the earth? Number two, we salt the earth by our words. Our words. Words are powerful. Do you know that? The Bible tells us life and death are in the power of our tongue. Power. It tells us in Genesis that God created everything, the universe, the earth, everything by his word. God said, let there be light. God spoke the word. God gives us his word. We're to salt the earth by our words, with our words. What kind of words? Well, with our words we can preserve civility and dignity, and decency, truth, life. There's power in our words. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the power of God's Word, and we need to start speaking the Word of God. How many found yourself speaking negatively? You begin to speak uh, loss and negative thoughts, and, and even sometimes you begin to speak death over your life. God says, I have life. I want to give you life. Begin to speak the life of the Word of God over you, your marriage, your family. Let's begin to speak life into our culture in America. We have the the words of life, hallelujah. Life, not death. Life. Life. Live. We look at that. Words of life. Truth and life. This is what we see in Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what kind of words? What kind of words? Words of encouragement. How many could use a little encouragement here today? Yeah. Proverbs 12 says, A person's anxiety will weigh him down, but an encouraging word makes him joyful. Ephesians 4 talks about words of patience, that we can be 
patient. That's a challenge. That's a difficulty. But the Holy Spirit says, yeah, He's going to enable us to be patient. Words of faith. We call those things that are not as though they were. We don't have to join in the panic. We don't have to join in the doubt. We salt with faith. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. We can build each other up. Encourage one another. I'm going to say something now that sounds like a commercial, but it's more than a commercial. On Sunday, November 7th, we're having a special ministry guest. We don't have very ministry guests, but Keith Mitzel is going to be with us. He's visited here many times because they have family that comes to Morningstar, family that lives in the area. And I think one time he might have joined in with us to pray for people at the end of the service. But he's never ministered here. And Keith actually got his wonderful testimony of what God has done in his life and what he's gone through. A former, well, he still has some businesses, but he travels the world in very large meetings and many, many people come to Christ, and there's an anointing on his life to pray for people in the atmosphere of faith, and people are really being changed and healed. And he's going to be with us Sunday, November 7th in the morning, and he'll be with us Sunday night, 6 o'clock. The big reason for this is, I think we need to be encouraged. I know some of you, you know, you're, you're persevering, but there's a heaviness on you. Some of you, are, are, are there, there, there's some anxiety and worry. Some of you, it's just like the joy level has gone down. Some of you may have some real, real, real troubles and trials, maybe some physical challenges. The Bible says we can pray. That's why we pray at the end of the service. We expect God to touch your life. I expect God to touch your life because we are praying in Jesus' name He's here. I can't do it. None of the prayer teams can do it. Keith Mitzel can't do it. He's just moving in his ministry gift. It's God who does it. And we're going to believe God to do God things with us when we gather together. So I want to encourage you, November 7th, we want to build each other up. Where there is hope, there is faith. Where there is faith, miracles happen. I am believing for miracles today. I am believing that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm believing our God is going to do God things. I'm believing our God is going to bring a super to our natural in the day in which we live. I believe if the world needed a supernatural move 2,000 years ago, I look at the world in 2021, we need a supernatural move of God, and it's not going to happen if we don't want it. But those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're going to be filled. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm believing. God is going to be God in our day, in our hour, today, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Words of truth. We're going to speak truth and love. Words of peace. Don't stir up conflict with harsh words. We're going to be peacemakers. Words of hope to the best of our ability. Words of hope. People need hope. I think we're called to be hope dealers. Amen? What are you doing? We're dealing hope. 
We're dealing hope. I believe that with all my heart. You see what's going on? I don't think you... I totally see what's going on. I have a clear picture. I think I understand. But my God is a God of hope. When He's on the scene, there's always hope. My God is a God of hope today. We're hope dealers. There's hope in Jesus' name. Paul says we can have it. He says in chapter 15 of Romans 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe it. I believe it today. Oh, these aren't just some nice little words. And wasn't it nice? I, I, I read that in church Sunday and I did my church thing and we're going to go out. This is going to be for you tomorrow. This is going to be for you on Tuesday. This is going to be a word for you on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. God of all hope is going to fill you with the, His joy and hope to overflowing in your life. Where does that show up and when does that take place when you need it the most? Where does hope show up in a hopeless situation? Because my God is a God of hope, hallelujah. So, we're going to tell people about Jesus. And I want to encourage you to tell people your story. You've got a story. Who is Jesus to you? What has Jesus done in your life? What is Jesus doing in your life? I, I, I got some things on a ministry bucket list that I really feel I want to help equip people to do. And one of them is that you're able to share your faith and to share Jesus Christ with other people. I'm going to say something about that in just a second. But first, John chapter 9. I, I like this where another encounter with Jesus and a blind man is healed. And the religious leaders see this. And, and they're asking him, and, and they're really interrogating him. Who did this? Where did he go? What did he look like? Who is this? And really, he could have said, well, I don't know because I was blind. I couldn't see him. I didn't see which way he went. He healed me. By the time he healed me, he was gone. You know, but I like his answer. He says, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. Come on, we make it harder than it has to be. All I know is... I was spiritually blind, but let me tell you, I can see now. I thought I could see. I, I thought I had life figured out. I, I thought my, my, my satisfaction was here or here or here, my, or my significance was over here or here or here, but I, I found out that everything I was looking for was in this man named Jesus. Now let me get back to another commercial. Uh, we're we're going to start... The first Saturday in November, uh, hopefully so, uh, meeting with, with and there's a, several groups going, but some men that want to meet Saturday morning for about six or seven weeks, and Craig Bach, there's a video going to come out this week, Craig Bach, who comes here, uh, he's going to help teach us for six or seven weeks, really just how to share Christ, how to get over your worry, your fear, your anxiety, your doubts. Uh, your inadequacies, and just talking about Jesus, and, and just knowing some scriptures, but how to personally, not mechanically, engage with people and share Christ. We want to equip you to do that. So Saturday morning's beginning, the first Saturday of November, and I, uh, Craig's usually here on a Sunday morning. I'm not sure if I, yep, there he is. He's wearing a white shirt. You'll see him and myself on video this week. 
uh, but just enable you and help you share and witness for Christ. Because I think we realize people are going to come to Christ unless we tell them. And I don't get to talk to everybody. You get to talk to people that I don't get to talk to. That's the point of this. That's the point of this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone and ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Not rudeness, not judgment, not getting into someone's face, but we need to tell somebody. We need to speak up. And then last but not least, we light the world by our deeds. How will people know? How will they be able to ask you? How will they know that you have hope? Well, Jesus says it like this in verse 15 right here. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People will know because your actions will back up your words. They will verify who you are. We salt the earth with our words, and we light the world by our deeds. By our deeds. What kind of deeds? Where do we need to turn the light on? Well, let's look at, look at a few of these scriptures here as we wrap this up this morning. Where do we need to turn the light on? Deeds of compassion. Passion. That's why Jesus starts off first when his teaching, everyone needs to be born again. You are poor spiritually. You are bankrupt spiritually. You need to know salvation. I want to tell you something, the social gospel. And you say, well, pastor, I see our church does social things. We do that first knowing that people need Jesus Christ. Everyone is not good. We do not I do not. The Bible, I believe, doesn't tell us that everyone is good. The Bible tells me, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not good without Jesus Christ. You're not good without Jesus Christ. Some of us really know that. Some of us, we're not sure about that. I know that. I'm not good without Jesus Christ. I, I wouldn't be here this morning without Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be in this church today without Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of other things I'd be doing. So we, the social gospel says, you know what? Everybody's good. We're going to love people like Jesus loves people. Well, there's some truth to that, but everybody isn't good. But we're going to show them deeds of compassion because of the good one inside of us. So here's the scripture. There it is. Let's look at that. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to when the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Compassion. We're going to do light up the night, trunk or treat. The 22nd this Thursday in Pinsburg, the 29th here. And I, I think we still need a few more trunks and people to serve in that. 
And, and the thing is, we're going to light up the night. We're going to take what has maybe been a dark night and had a different meaning and reputation or turn it around for good. That's part of what we're doing here uh, these nights. And then what we're going to do this year is beside all the free stuff and the goodies and, and the wholesome atmosphere and a place for parents to bring kids, we're going to have a station that on intervals all through the night, someone is sharing five minutes or so the gospel message, their testimony, who Jesus Christ is, because we want to make sure that we are sharing Christ with our community. Deeds of mercy, Micah 6, 8. Deeds of mercy. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what it requires you, that you do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Deeds of generosity. 1 Timothy 6, 18. We see right here is our core values when we talk about our core values. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. We light up the world. We turn the lights on with our deeds. Deeds of selflessness. Romans 12, 10. It says, love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Loving and affection, honoring each other. Stockpiled salt and hidden light is useless. The only way to get rid of the darkness is to turn the lights on. We need to turn the light on. Not bury our heads in the sand, not stay stuck within our four walls. Turn the lights on. Say it with me. Turn the lights on. We did this a few months ago, and repetition helps us remember. So we're going to turn all the lights off. Everybody help me there. And then I want you to get that little cell phone out, if you would. You got that app. Let's get all the lights off. Then you got that app. Look, it's dark. It's dark. Now let's hold up that light right now. The only way... We're going to change the world if we turn the light on. Not be silent. Not compromise. We're not going to hide. We're not going to disassociate. But we are going to turn our light on. And we're going to change our world for Jesus Christ as His church on planet earth in this day, in this hour. We can do it together. Amen? Tell your neighbor, we can do it. We can do it. We can change the world. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for participating. I want you to know, Jesus doesn't hate this world. How many believe Jesus doesn't hate the world? I believe he loves people, don't you? You know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He doesn't like everything about it, of course, but He loves people. He loves this world. So here's the reminder. We are strangers. We're aliens. We are temporary residents of planet Earth. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
As I wrap it up with these next two verses, what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? He said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Jesus said some things that we look at today, and we think, okay, what was he, was he saying this? Was he saying that? What was Jesus saying? What was Jesus not saying? Well, if you read there, he's talking about John the Baptist, his forerunner, his cousin. And if you read anything about John the Baptist, he wasn't religious. He was radical for God. He shook things up. He rattled the religious leaders, the status quo. That's, you know, he spoke the truth, and he got beheaded. But what Jesus is saying is, Satan is opposed to the kingdom of God. How many would say, yeah, I believe that. I see that. Satan is opposed to the kingdom of God. And his battle plan is to keep people in bondage and intimidation. In fact, the kingdom of God is facing violent opposition And he began to speak about himself that they will put the king to death. When the kingdom of God was presented, they weren't welcoming the kingdom of God because it wasn't on their terms and in their language and in their style. They thought they killed the king. He laid down his life. But Jesus was dead. But three days later, he came back to life. They couldn't keep him down. He's alive. Amen? Amen. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You thought you could kill the king. You can't stop the king. What hell tries to stop Heaven conquers every time. Heaven conquers every time. What hell tries to stop in your life, what hell tries to stop in the church of Jesus Christ, heaven conquers every time. Three days later, Jesus rose again. And then he made another statement. I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of death in parentheses, can't stand against my church. My church in 2021 will be salt. My church in 2021 will be light. The darker it gets, the brighter my church is going to get. Church, if we will surrender, if we will hunger, if we will thirst, if we'll cry out, if we'll say, Jesus, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Jesus, show yourself strong. Our God, our God is going to show up this morning. Amen. I believe it's just not another sermon. It's just not, oh, we got to go through the series in Matthew chapter 5. I believe it's timely. I believe it's on point. I believe Jesus is speaking to us today, and he's telling everyone in this room, And everyone in that room in Pinsburg, right here, we've got world changers. Right here, I've got world changers. Some of you are sitting there and saying, Jesus, do you know who you're talking to? He knows exactly who he's talking to. 
if you would have told me at one point in my life, I'd be doing this today. Jesus, do you know who you're talking to? That's what I said to Jesus when I felt he called me. I said, Jesus, do you know who you're talking to? And he goes, do you know who you're talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to you, and he's talking to you. He's talking to us right here. It's time. It's time. It's time to turn the light on. It's time to go change our world. Amen? Let's do it. Say it with me. Let's do it. Let's do it. Worship team, would you come out here? Let's stand together. I'm going to ask prayer partners, prayer team, would you come? Man, if you're, if you're here and you, you're thinking, man, I just need prayer. I need a little more encouragement. Man, there's some stuff that let's pray with you. You know, when we're done with the song and that, we're still going to be in an atmosphere of prayer. And if you need to go, God bless you. You need to go. If you need to tarry and stay, you can tarry and stay. But there is an anticipation rising up in my spirit. As much as I talk with people and I listen and I watch the news and I just begin to turn that off. And I just begin to say, but God, but God. And I begin to turn that off. That's what I begin doing personally. Turn that off. I turn on some worship music. I just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. And he just begins to stir me and say, you know what, John? You haven't seen anything yet. You know what, John? Just get ready. You know what, son? You're just going to be part of a move of my kingdom. I'm getting ready to move through my people. Change is coming to my world. Change is on the way. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus.